Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. All right, Kyle, well... Guess what? We got our first ever guest tiebreaker slash host on the call today. Episode three, and we already have a guest. Look at this. We already got it. We've been getting a lot of requests, but uh, we had to put family first this time, and we got my sister on the call. What's up, guys? How's it going, uh, everybody? This is Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth, where are you calling from today? I am calling in from Boulder, Colorado. Sweet. Man, we are really uh, spanning the U.S. here on this call, huh? Yeah, we got we got hosts in time zones, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, we're looking forward to having a human determine our tiebreakers in today's bracket, as opposed to having weird rules that we just invent ourselves. Uh, we're gonna have a real voice with real opinions uh, to get us through each round. Yeah, so that's there, gonna be really exciting. I I want to make sure that we're clear here that uh, there shouldn't be any sort of family ties here where uh, you think you need to side with Chris uh, just because he's your brother. Uh, really look at the facts today. Really uh, listen to the arguments and uh, and agree with me most of the time. You know what? Or or don't agree with the facts at all. Just choose arbitrarily that's fine too that's mouse madness that's how this podcast works okay so before we get started with our bracket we want to start off as always with our spoonful of sugar section so kyle what's your spoonful of sugar today all right so today i am drinking a beer a local oakland beer called new feeling hazy ipa um i've spent the past morning trying to figure out how I'm going to connect that name to uh, Disney, and I can't. It's just all that was in my fridge, and that's how we're going to rock today. Nice. Um, well, I got a gin and tonic, and I'm going to Disney-fy it by calling it a Qui-Gon gin and tonic. <laughs> oh, jeez. The most popular, most interesting Star Wars character of all time. Oh, Got to shout out my boy Qui-Gon. Starting and, off strong uh, with the puns. So, Elizabeth, you have a spoonful of sugar, right? I do indeed. I am drinking a vodka cranberry, and I would like to tie it to uh, Disney as Corella's Cranberry. There you go. I like it. On brand. <laughs> All right. So, before we get to the brackets, Kyle recently took a trip to the Disneyland Resort, and he's got a full trip report for us. So Kyle decided to go in the middle of Galaxy's Edge opening madness. So yeah. Kyle, what happened? Yeah, so we had booked this trip months ago. Uh, we were reading a lot of the rumor reports that were speculating that Galaxy's Edge was going to open up at the end of June. So we, were, we thought, let's book for early June. So we went on the 3rd and 4th, or 4th and 5th, 4th and 5th, um, and it turns out Galaxy's Edge opened up May 31st, and uh, when that came out, 
we were not too excited about it because we figured that the parks were going to be absolutely slammed with people who didn't have reservations or were waiting around for the reservations to get into the land. And uh, turns out that wasn't the case, Chris. The parks were completely empty. Um, and it was quite the incredible trip. So I'm going to go ahead and, and name off a Five takeaways that I had from that trip. And we'll start over in DCA. Marvel Land is up and running. They are they are going vertical over there. And I don't know if you've seen the concept art for Marvel Land at DCA at all, but there's a random construction crane in the background, and people are like, is that going to be there? Well, it looks like that's part of the land. Like, they were building this small fake construction crane. Um, not completely sure how that ties into the land, but I saw it and I thought that was interesting. Um, second of all, we were there for, uh, the last showings of Mickey's Mixed Magic Fireworks. And this was a fireworks celebration, uh, for Mickey's 90th birthday. And it was trash. (laughs) It was so bad. Oh my goodness. They tried to incorporate, uh, aspects of dj culture into it so it was current or it was a classic disney songs set to very uh stock edm beats okay um and it was horrible the entire time i kept looking over at my girlfriend being like what is this what what is this (laughs) so i'm glad that's gone uh and hopefully never coming back Another takeaway is that, of course, Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge opened up, and uh, it looked like everything went pretty smoothly as far as the reservation system. They have three entrances to the land. There's one in Critter Country, there's one right after Big Thunder Trail, and there's one right before Big Thunder Trail heading to Fantasyland. And they essentially just staffed four cast members blocking the pathway, or they would pull out benches so that randoms couldn't just walk into the to the land um but you had to go into tomorrowland get a wristband walk across the park at your time they would scan your wristband and then you'd be able to go in and we figured that people would just be showing up to the park thinking that they could get in but it seemed like that wasn't the case at all i think disney really overstaffed and really prepared for mass crowds and confusion and that wasn't the case so good for them and good for us because that was an empty park Um, We also went to Tropical Hideaway, which is the new uh, area where Aladdin's Oasis was, right next to the Tiki Room and Jungle Cruise. Um, It's a little counter service place that serves uh, bows and uh, dessert lumpia. We had the dessert lumpia, and it may have taken the number one spot in my heart as far as desserts in the park go. Like, it was, in my opinion, like, better than churros. It's a bold statement, but they were delicious. Um, it was uh, lumpia, but the inside was like whipped cream, cream cheese, and pineapples. Um, and then with like sugar on top and the whole business. And the empty park. Didn't have to use FastPass pretty much the entire trip. In recent years, the gauge for how busy the park is is kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean line. If that line's snaking up above the bridge over the ride, like you know that part, the park's pretty packed. And if it's over 45 minutes wait, you know that the place is packed. Pirates had a 10-minute wait the entire weekend. And that 10-minute wait was just walking through the queue to get right onto the boat. 
Yeah, I saw pictures and it looked like they only had the right side of the queue open in the courtyard. Yeah, there was only one side open. And so you just had to snake your way through and you got up to the line and uh, and the cast member just put you on a boat. Like it was incredible. Uh, I've, I haven't seen the park that empty in the past few years that we've been going. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome trip. The fireworks sucked. Parks were empty. New desserts are great. Marvel Land is coming. Star Wars Land was a success. And I may be going back at the end of this month for another uh, Star Wars Land trip report. So uh, stay tuned for that and we'll see if that will happen. Well, we'll definitely be looking forward to that. And we'll look forward to our Disney food and snacks bracket down the line. Yeah, uh, Tropical Highway Olympia is taking the number one spot. And uh, we can call it now. Wow. Shut it down. Shut it down right now. As I'm sure you already know by reading the episode description of this podcast, and for those of you that follow us on Twitter, you also probably already know, but the topic of today's bracket is Best Disney Villain. Oh, we're doing it. This was an obvious follow-up to our Best Heroes bracket. We had to do it. It was recommended by my mom. Shout out to my mom. Shout out mom but, one time. Um, we have a, a, a pretty good list of names here, but we had to obviously survey a demographic this was on kyle as he was just at the parks so kyle who was your demographic that you went with to survey for this bracket so in the empty disneyland resort there was a certain group that truly stood out and that were dads at disneyland wearing pirate mickey ears and i think we all know what we're talking about when we say the pirate mickey ears disney dads are a whole thing whole thing whole thing Disney dads are unique creatures, and there are a bunch of different types of Disney dads. There's like the like slender, well dressed Disney dad with like sleeve tattoos and stroller forearms, and then there's like the Oakley wearing cargo shorts, functional shoes Disney dad. Exactly, and uh, and that's the type of dad that's wearing the pirate Mickey ears, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's it. exactly with their uh, their grumpy T-shirt that has some stupid saying about how grumpy they are. Yeah, you do not see dads wearing like Quicksilver t-shirts and Nixon watches in Pirate Mickey ear hats. You just don't. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. You they wouldn't don't. be caught dead wearing those Pirate Mickey ears. So that being said, keep that into consideration when we're going through all of these picks here, because I think that definitely played a role in some of our seedings. It sure did. Uh, but before we go through our list of 16, we are going to, of course, review our few characters who just missed the dance to enter this bracket the first disney villain that just missed the dance was the chernabog some of you might not know who the chernabog is the chernabog was in the original disney's fantasia and he was in the night on bald mountain sequence uh, which was only about 12 minutes long set to classical music and he's basically this gigantic demon that pops out of a mountain and brings ghosts and skeletons back to life and they just kind of dance around those of you that know me know that i am terrified of devil imagery demon imagery witchcraft any of that stuff really creeps me out uh so this sequence definitely makes me a little bit uncomfortable but i mean it's only like 10 minutes long all he really does is flex a bunch but, I mean, he's, he's a very well-designed villain. He looks like a giant devil with wings. So, uh, he's definitely scary-looking, but not really a great villain in terms of story or character. And he's a little bit hard to remember because you have to wake up from the middle of Fantasia in order to see it. 
Oh, true. I mean, this this is a movie that mostly has no words, and it's just... Uh, it's like five hours of a classical music piece. Yeah, and this Hollywood. was when an- animation technology was very new, so it was cool to just see whimsical things happening on a movie screen. So, unfortunately, Chernobog has not aged well. Another character that just missed the cl- cut was Clayton from Tarzan. I'm okay with that. Clayton, yeah, that's fine. Was, he's really annoying to me. Um <laughs> And the thing with Tarzan is that the conflict with Clayton isn't really part of the main story of Tarzan. It's more of like an emotional struggle. Tarzan trying to relate to humans, but also trying to know where his place is in gorilla culture. (laughs) And so Clayton's... Yeah, Clayton's just kind of like off to the side in the background doing his own thing. And like, yes, he's evil and stuff, but... I don't know that there's like a much of a direct conflict with our heroes in the story. So I'm fine with Clayton being off of this bracket. Although he does have a pretty good death. It's kind of gruesome. He like strangles himself in the vines. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, pretty. Ooh. Yeah, that was rough. Okay. Another villain who just missed the dance was Stromboli from Pinocchio. Um, he plays a very small part as well as every other character in this movie because Pinocchio is constantly encountering different situations but he locks Pinocchio up in a bird cage and forces him to perform um, on the road even though Pinocchio thinks it's like fun and a legit thing and uh, threatens to cut Pinocchio into firewood at one point um, until the blue fairy the MVP in Chris's eyes uh, released MVP <laughs> released uh, Pinocchio from the cage and then he, he gets away so Stromboli just missed the dance, and then the last villain that just missed the dance was Shere Khan from uh, the Jungle Book. Um, Shere Khan, scary tiger, sure, also had a pretty gruesome death. He burned alive, um, but there were sixteen other villains that these dads at Disneyland wearing pirate Mickey ears thought were better than these four. Um, so Chris, why don't we go ahead and start the, uh, epic music and you can lead us off with the number one seed. All right. Number one seed in the Mouse Madness Best Disney Villain Bracket is Jafar. And the number two seed coming from the ocean somewhere. We don't quite know where, probably the Caribbean. It is the sea witch herself, Ursula. Don't make our number three seed mad. From Hercules, Hades. He don't have no hand. Number four, coming in from Neverland, Captain Hook. Our number five seed, from Sleeping Beauty, Maleficent. And coming in at number six, he ends up a throw rug, but we don't care about that. It is Scar from The Lion King. No one's a seven seed like Gaston. Coming in at number eight, you're going to want to hide every single one of your puppies because it is Corella DeVille from 101 Dalmatians. Coming in at number nine, the original Disney baddie, Queen Brimhilda, a.k.a. the evil queen, a.k.a. the evil witch from Snow White. Hide your heads because coming in at the number 10 seed is the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. It's another classic, number 11 from Cinderella, Lady Tremaine. We hope you don't fear death, because coming in at number 12 is Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. 
Will he burn his way through this bracket? Coming in at number 13 from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, Judge Claude Froehler. Someone pulled the right lever. Coming in at number 14 is Yzma from the Emperor's New Group. That's like her thing. Like, the, when you think of Yzma, you think the pull the lever, Kronk. <laughs> He's got friends on the other side. Coming in at number 15, Dr. Facilier from The Princess and the Frog. And rounding out our best Disney villain bracket, the number 16 seed is Mother Gothel from Tangled. Okay, so with all of those names being read, Elizabeth, do you have anyone that comes right off the page that you might have as a favorite in this bracket? You know, Chris, the name that's popping out to me is Scar from The Lion King. You know, this guy is just out for blood, out for power. This scene in The Lion King, spoiler alert, uh, is heart-wrenching, scarring, no pun intended, and traumatizing. Um, <clears throat> so I think that Scar, to me, is uh, is going to be a front runner here. I think we got to look out for him in this one. That's a good pick. I think that is a good pick. I think he's going to run into some trouble later on in the bracket if he even gets out of the first round. But I think that's a, that's a pretty solid pick there. I cannot wait to do this first round matchup with Scar. It's actually a really good one, but we'll get there. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. All right, let's hop into it. Here we go. The first round matchup is between the number one seed Jafar from Aladdin, the number 16 seed Mother Gothel from Tangled, and Chris and Elizabeth, I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now. We have an upset on our hands. We have a complete upset on our hands. Mother Gothel should be the one moving on to the next round, and here's why. She is so selfish in that she keeps her daughter locked in a tower so that she can take the power that her daughter has that her daughter doesn't even know that she has and manipulates her into thinking that this is where she needs to be. Um, Jafar is out seeking seeking power. He wants the throne, whatever. But the manipulation of Mother Gothel to her own is just pure evil. And I think that uh, right out the gates, she's got to go on to the next round. I'm so happy that Mother Gothel made this bracket. I love the fact that her goal is not to take over the universe or take over the world or destroy all of mankind. She just wants to stay young and pretty. Sometimes when a character's ambitions are a little bit too large, it can get really boring for me. And I think Jafar kind of suffers from that a little bit in Aladdin. Um, He's also this all-powerful sorcerer guy that seems like he can just kind of do anything. Right, you would think that he'd be able to just do whatever he wants and not need Aladdin's help at all. Right. The thing I do like about Jafar is his character design. He's one of the creepiest looking dudes in Disney. Um, He's extremely slimy. It makes me really uncomfortable when he gets like really close to Jasmine towards the end of the movie and she kisses him on the lips. It just feels really (laughs) weird to me. Like Whenever one of your protagonists gets really close to your villain it's always kind of weird and especially if it's a love interest it's uh, it's just gross and we can talk about that happening in other movies a little bit later but the thing that i love about this bracket is you have so many great names so many really strong characters and disney really leans into its villains in all of its marketing materials jafar is definitely one of the ones that are is featured most frequently in all of this material mother gothel doesn't really get a whole lot of love 
in that department. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, but do I think Mother Gothel is a better villain than Jafar? Oh boy. Here's the thing about Gothel is I feel like she is a little bit of like a stock Disney villain. This movie did not come out that long ago. It's kind of a modern Disney movie and she doesn't feel super deep or creative, which I don't love. She works smarter, not harder. She can just lock Rapunzel up in a tower and that's all the evil she needs. She just needs to keep the illusion that the world's not a place for her, and uh, and give her some books to read. When all said and done, Kyle, I think I'm gonna go with Jafar here. Jeez, he's just too—he's just too symbolic of Disney evil, and and so I have to give him the advance here. So we're gonna have to throw to Elizabeth for a tiebreaker in our very first matchup. Throwing me right into right it. out the gates. Oh yep. man, you guys made really good points here. Ah, you know, Jafar is super iconic, um, you know, but we don't want to confuse, uh, you know, this up-and-comingness with, like, the new Aladdin movie coming out, which I haven't seen yet. I don't know if you guys have seen it, um, or how Jafar was portrayed in that, um, but just Jafar, like, as a character is, is deeply, truly evil, um, but Kyle... I think you're going to be happy with me on this one. We got to go with Mother Gothel. Yep, there it is. Wow. It's got to be Mother Gothel because she is totally, she has a specific goal, you know, and and this is also, Chris, like, Jafar has a goal of, like, gaining power and stuff, but he's he is the second most powerful person in Agrabah. So uh, Mother Gothel has a specific goal here, and that's to keep, keep young and it's kind of creepy you know it's a little bit like ooh, you're you're literally sucking the energy out of this girl that you kidnapped you know there's a creep element to it so i'm gonna go with mother gothel on this one guys mother gothel advances all right mother gothel is heading into the elite eight just like that upset all right we won't dwell on that one too long okay chris we'll go ahead and uh hop into the next one who we got Next matchup, we have the number eight seed, Cruella DeVille, versus the number nine seed, the Evil Queen. I'm going to cut right to the chase here. Cruella DeVille advances. She wants to kidnap and skin puppies. That's really all I have to say. I have zero arguments for you. I also had Cruella moving on because, yes, she skins puppies. And how dare she? I do want to give a little hat tip, though, to the Evil Queen. I don't want to send her home without us not saying anything about her there's a shot in snow white when she is the witch and she like pops up in snow white's window and that is terrifying and she also might be the best installation in any disney dark ride ever she yeah she's absolutely terrifying in that oh my gosh she makes that ride great design but all in all the original and also she her her character is uh very admirable in the villain sense because she just doesn't give up she's like oh snow white you got to be gone i'm the fairest of them all you gone send my huntsman after you bring the heart back for me and uh and when that doesn't happen she's like all right here comes some magic we're still gonna kill this girl and she successfully kind of does in the end so she accomplishes her goal just who didn't know that true love's first kiss would lift the spell of Snow White, uh, who knew that the dwarfs would go all Rambo on her and push her off the cliff. So she she did her job. She did well as a villain. She's very iconic in the Disney universe as a villain, but 
Yes, Cruella skinning puppies is, is going to send her into the next round. All right, two have moved on. few more to go here. The third matchup in the round of 16 is Captain Hook from Peter Pan and Judge Claude Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The thing about Captain Hook is he's intimidating villain to everyone that's not in that movie. And I say that because he is very unsuccessful uh, at doing anything to the Lost Boys, doing anything to Peter Pan. In fact, even before the movie begins, like in the Peter Pan universe, apparently like this this feud and this battle had been going on and on and on. Hence the whole fear of the crocodile stuff who took his hand. And so how successful is he as, as a villain? He's more of like a pest I would say, and I'll go ahead and mic drop that Claude Frollo uh, approved of genocide and wanted to kill all the gypsies in Paris. And I think genocide over pestering a 10-year-old brat moves you on to the next round. And so uh, that's the motto, Frollo. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Big yikes. Huge yikes. All right, I'm going to talk about Frollo next round, um, but I will take this opportunity to bury Captain Hook. You called him a pest. I call him a boob. He's like a slapsticky character, and he's completely docile, and there's really never any question whether or not Peter Pan's going to win at the end of the day. He's just not great at doing anything. Why does he trust Mr. Smee to be his first mate? The dude is an idiot. Um, this is another character that probably does better in the marketing material than actually in the movie. So, um, recognizable and great design, but I think people like the idea of Captain Hook more than actual Captain Hook. Yeah, I agree with that. Now we come to Maleficent versus Davy Jones. Five versus twelve. Maleficent... Kyle, would you agree that Maleficent is the poster child for Disney villains? Yeah, absolutely. I don't get it. I get that she has devil horns and is dressed in black and is very terrifying, but she is almost diabolical to the point that it's like a caricature. Like, it's comically evil. It's so ridiculous. The way she's introduced in the movie... She just appears out of thin air and then is like, I predicted you're going to have a curse and you're going to die. And then disappears. It's like, what just happened? I think she suffers from uh, Captain Hook syndrome in that the idea of Maleficent being villainous is greater than her actual villainy. Here's the other thing is that she does not get a very good death. She transforms into a dragon, which is it's great. Good for her. But uh, Prince Philip throws a sword at the dragon, and it stabs it like in the chest, and then it just dies. Prince Philip has a cannon. It's totally... I, yeah, I don't know if that's a problem with uh, the movie or Maleficent, but that death is very anticlimactic to me to have this massive dragon just like die with the sword being thrown at it. It was pretty lame. So I'm advancing Davy Jones just on the fact uh, that Maleficent isn't very deep. I, I think I would agree with that. I think 
um, on the other side, Davy Jones is just terrifying in comparison to Maleficent. Like he's this uh, omnipresent being who seems to be absolutely everywhere um, and can be anywhere because he essentially is the ocean. He can control the ocean and can pop up wherever he wants. And he has this Kraken sidekick for a movie who just destroys everything in its path. And um, yeah, I think I think that's the right pick. I think that we can send Davy Jones to the next round and we can move right along to the number two versus number 15 uh, matchup here. Number two, Ursula. Number 15, Dr. Facilier. Chris, we got a we got a matchup of the witches here. We have the sea witch Ursula, and we have the witch doctor, uh, Doctor Facilier. I I had a little trouble with this one because it seemed like their character arcs and their and their their main goals for each character were almost the same. Ursula wanted to overthrow, try and take the throne and rule the seas. Doctor Facilier wanted to essentially take over new orleans and be rich and powerful and be looked upon as great and they both kind of use the whole like come into my seance room we'll make a deal let's do this thing ariel loses her voice gains legs um naveen turns into a frog and lawrence becomes naveen i think though what puts ursula over the top for me is that iconic disney villain as we've been like harping on uh, you like you said, like in any marketing stuff, when they talk about villains, like Ursula is right next to Maleficent. Even though Maleficent didn't move on in the last round, Ursula deserves to be in this kind of quintessential Disney villain uh, marketing campaign that they they tend to do. She keeps <laughs> one thing that makes her so much greater than Facilier is that Facilier has the power of he has help from like demons and stuff but ursula is just a witch in her own right and she keeps like the souls of people she keeps their little tiny <laughs> dehydrated representations in jars around her cave and that's just like really unsettling especially when she takes king triton and he's <laughs> this little like worm boy it's terrifying and disturbing and i think that ursula should be moving on to the next round Here's the thing that I like about Dr. Facilier. Number one is that he has a great death. I would say one of the best villain deaths on this bracket. He essentially gets swallowed up into the underworld by his friends on the other side. And it's really cool to kind of see that turn. Also, I really like the design of Dr. Facilier. Um, I think he looks very menacing, and I really like the setting of the movie and just his overall kind of voodoo vibe. It's very unique, and to have decades and decades of Disney movies and Disney villains to create a character that's unique like this, I think is definitely uh, something that's working in Facilier's favor. But as you said, Ursula, she's a classic baddie. She injects herself into the story in a way that's really interesting and really gets in the way of our protagonist when she transforms into Vanessa and she is like walking down the wedding aisle with Prince Eric. She Again, she's really close to your uh, hero, if you want to call Prince Eric your hero in this situation. Um, and I, I like that about the way Ursula pops up in the story. So I will also advance Ursula. 
she also literally pops up because she becomes like a balloon and becomes massive in that one scene doing it for the worm boys all right the worm boys all right chris what's the next matchup next matchup is number seven gaston versus number 10 queen of hearts now i am very biased towards gaston gaston is my boy okay (laughs) gaston is one of my favorite disney characters of all time I am going to try and be as unbiased as possible when I'm going through this, uh, but I am definitely, definitely partial to Gaston. Um, And I do have him advancing in this round against the Queen of Hearts, mostly because I think the Queen of Hearts is a trash villain. She's very one-note. All she really does is run around saying off with their heads, off with their heads, and it's... I don't know, really annoying to me. And she's kind of a rage monster for no reason. Um, she's another person that exists on a lot of the villains marketing stuff. Um, and I don't really get it. I'm not a huge fan of Alice in Wonderland. And one of the reasons is because I think Queen of Hearts is just not very deep and kind of just a cliche bad guy. I'm going to go ahead and obviously disagree with you because gaston is much more of a bully than he is a villain he's this like privileged pretty boy who thinks that he can get any girl he wants who uh falls under that don't judge a book before it's cover kind of thing with the beast he's threatened by the beast and wants to kill the beast but like that's because he's this like meathead of a bully while the queen of hearts is like actually like evil (laughs) she like she's making her card servants paint white roses red and if they don't she cuts their heads off like that's they're they're just trying to do their job the cards are just doing the job to their best of capabilities gaston's fighting this like monster that he perceives as being a monster and and anyone's shoes you would think that the beast is an actual monster like who's who's to blame gaston he was mistaken poor guy but he, he's way more of a bully than a villain, and I think the Queen of Hearts is way more of a villain than a bully, and that's why I had Queen of Hearts moving on in this round. Okay, I will rebuttal with Gaston arguments here. One of the scariest parts about Gaston is that he is able to rouse the village town folk into going after the beast, right? He is manipulative and charismatic and uses his charm quote unquote for evil and his ability to rouse otherwise good people into doing evil things makes him super scary he's also physically intimidating and he is really enjoyable to watch on screen one way i gauge how good a villain is is do I want to watch scenes with this character in it? And I love scenes with Gaston in it. Very entertaining. And the song Gaston slaps. All right. Great song. Okay. <laughs> Queen of Hearts. I just, whenever she's on the screen, I'm just like, get her off my screen. I mean, I want to turn off Alice in Wonderland every time I'm watching it, but like. Oh, hot take. Also, let's not forget the fact that all of this is existing in Alice's imagination. Queen of Hearts isn't even real in the world of Alice in Wonderland. So, like. Is she even really a villain? I don't think so. I'm going to Gaston. So we're going to have to throw this to Elizabeth. 
All right, you guys. Uh, you're missing one very important piece of information in favor of Gaston, all right? He tried to kill Belle's father. Does anyone remember this? He ties him up in the woods, leaves him to be eaten by wolves, all right? And then goes to the pub and starts drinking with all of his friends. And when Belle's dad comes back and tries to accuse him of killing him, Gaston's like, I would never do such a thing. And every, all the townspeople believe Gaston and trust Gaston. So, you know, I gotta go with Chris on this one. He is pure evil. He's just trying to get the girl, just trying to get a wife. He likes Belle because she doesn't like him back. And, uh, you know, it just, the thing that tips me over the edge here is that he went after uh, Belle's dad. Uh, yeah, we, we all remember when he went after Bill's dad. Uh, those on the other side just withheld that evidence to support their argument. So thanks for adding me on the pod here, Elizabeth. <laughs> all right. I guess Gaston is moving right along into the Elite Eight. Next matchup that we have here is number three Hades versus number 14 Yzma. This one was pretty much a toss-up. For me, but then I really thought about the methods of evilness and who can successfully deal with their idiot counterparts. So Hades has two sidekicks, Pain and Panic, who can't do anything correctly, include kill a baby by just making it drink every last drop of a serum. And and Yzma has Kronk, who can't do anything correctly, including kill Cusco. Say that ten times fast. Except that he can speak to squirrels, I guess, and that's a cool power to have. But Hades can also... He's hes a god, essentially. He's the devil, but he's a god in this Greek mythological world who can summon these titans and these warriors to hopefully overthrow Olympus in his mind. All he had to do was get rid of a baby, and that didn't happen, so he wasn't able to take over Olympus. But... The fact that he's this so powerful and he's another one that can just kind of like show up anywhere. Um, he has also, I guess, Meg in a way is a sidekick, even though she doesn't really want to be a sidekick, which just adds to his villainy of being deceptive and um, controlling and overall more terrifying than Yzma. Yzma is kind of just, she's funny. She's not even, she doesn't even feel that evil. She feels more of a comic relief of a character than she is like actually evil i mean she gets turned into a kitten at one point which is pretty whack so i'm gonna go ahead and say that hades is moving on in the next round for me when i think of emperor's new groove i definitely think of kronk i think he is i don't know if i'd call him a villain but i would definitely call him the more memorable of the two hades plays a more significant role in Hercules. Also, we need to talk about the fact that Hades is the number three seed on this bracket. Hades is total Disney dad energy. He's like always mad at people, always some kind of pun or dad joke, always high stress, high strung. There is a reason that these pirate Mickey ear hat Disney dads put Hades at number three. So we call that DDE, Disney dad energy. Disney. <laughs> hashtag it. Hashtag Disney dad energy. How are Disney dads going to react when their kids are acting up Disney? Probably a lot like Hades. I think that they can definitely relate to the guy. So uh, I am also advancing Hades. Sorry, Yzma. All right, Kyle and Elizabeth, it's time for the marquee matchup. 
We've got the number six seed Scar versus the number 11 seed Lady Tremaine, a.k.a. the evil stepmother in Cinderella. This one, I, I honestly, I feel like I don't even know who I want to go with here. Uh, on the yeah, one hand, you, you have... Scar. Case closed. Okay, hang on. Let me talk my way. Let me let me talk my way through this really quick. All right. Yes, Scar kills Mufasa. Iconic, sad, crazy Disney scene. All right. Lady Tremaine is an OG. All right. She's so shrill and she speaks in a way that's just it's like nails on a chalkboard, and she doesn't have any special powers or anything like that. She's not magic. Um, and she feels a lot more real and a lot more powerful that way to me. She seems like someone that would exist in real life and probably does. Um, she is someone that you would describe as a lawful evil. So she's not going to go wild and just do a bunch of crazy stuff. She's going to probably keep a level head in every situation that she finds herself in, but is so smart and deceptive that she's going to outsmart you. And if she can't work within the rules to get what she wants, she's going to somehow change the rules to get what she wants. Like when she told Cinderella she could come to the ball if she had a, a nice dress and all of the rats made her a nice dress and Lady Tremaine's like... <laughs> the rats. The rats, right? Are they mice or rats? I don't know. <laughs> no, I love keeping... The rats is perfect. The rats... Okay, so the rats make the dress and she runs downstairs and she's like, look at this dress. Like, now I can go to the ball and... The sisters are like, no, she can't go. And Lady Tremaine's like, well, I did say she could go if she had a dress. And then she's like, oh, but like the, these pearls. And then she basically tricks the sisters into destroying the dress. And then she's like, oh, well, you don't have a dress anymore. So I guess you can't go. Like so evil. So evil without having to really do anything unhinged or use any special powers. Just like mind powers. It's crazy. So I really like Lady Tremaine. And I wanted to give her credit before sending her home. Because yes, I think we have to advance Scar here. Great design. Jeremy Irons incredible voice acting performance and one of my favorite things about scar is he's one of the few disney villains you get to see his plan work and he gets what he wants and you get to see the savannah under scars rule and it's very gray and dead and dark um and that's yeah that's pretty cool another part of that that adds to his evilness is that when he takes over the pride and everything just ends up dying literally everything's dying he's so chill he's like whatever oops things are dying good luck eating sorry everybody this is how we're doing it like he just doesn't care and i think that lack of sympathy and empathy is like what also makes him incredibly villainous okie dokie well sounds like we've got our elite eight so we are going to go ahead and bring it back to the top and Kyle can start us with our first Elite Eight matchup, which is going to be Mother Gothel versus Cruella. All right. Mother Gothel, who came in as the 16th seed, and Cruella, who came in as the 8th seed. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and just say that I think those those seedings were correct because I think Cruella should be moving on to the next round. What's terrifying about Cruella is that she just has no regard for human life or puppy life or anything. She wants to skin and kill these puppies to make coats, 
um, when they get out and there's that crazy car chase, like she does not care what happens to her. She does not care what happens to anybody else. The scene where she's driving and the it's, it shows her face and her eyes are going nuts. Like she's obviously a maniac. She's terrifying. She's evil and she doesn't care who she hurts along the way. Um, Mother Gothel just wants to stay young. Uh, what she does to Rapunzel by one kidnapping her and two locking her in a tower is horrible. But uh, I think Cruella had a more mass effect on on her environment and the world in a negative way. And so I think that Cruella should move on. I'm really glad that you brought up that shot of Cruella with crazy eyes when she's about to like plow into the truck full of puppies because that is an absolutely terrifying shot and I remember being a child and being freaked out at my TV when when that shot would come up and it's literally like half a second it's really not that long of a shot but so vivid and really a classic iconic Disney villain image Um, I think she is extremely eloquent well spoken Um, she is an awesome character in park so sassy, um, great face character. One thing though that I don't really understand about her is how she became friends with the mom in 101 Dalmatians. Like she's supposed to be a friend from school, but like, how like how could that lady be friends with Cruella? I think it's one of those things where Anita is like, oh, she's an old friend from school. Like we have history. It's I don't know that they're necessarily super good friends. I think it's more so that they're still a connection. And I think that everyone has somebody like that, where it's like, yeah, we used to hang out in high school, but now we don't really, we're just Facebook friends. It's this, it's a similar thing. Just Cruella is much more evil than probably some of your high school Facebook friends. Another character with a really great intro, she walks into the house with a cigarette, and she's blowing the smoke everywhere. And she ashes the cigarette into a cupcake that's evil man she just ruined like the whole tray of cupcakes (laughs) that's that's the biggest tragedy of this movie is her ruining the tray of cupcakes yeah that is chaotic evil that's the thing is like i think i said this on the heroes podcast that the puppies and the dalmatians are like pure good and you have this character that's threatening such a pure version of goodness um and Cupcakes are another version of pure good, guys. And, and when you threaten a cupcake, that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> yep. All right. So I think we can agree that Corell is moving on in this round. All right. Next Elite Eight matchup, we have got Judge Claude Frollo versus Davy Jones. Now, I will start with Davy Jones. Davy Jones is another character that gets a really great intro. Will Turner is on his knees in the rain on a boat, and then Davy Jones emerges, and he goes, well, "Do you feel bad?" And it's it's terrifying, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, one of the things I really like about him is he's a lot like a horror villain, and that he has these rules that he has to obey, and so the audience kind of gets a good sense of how this villain can operate just by like knowing these rules that he can only go on land what like once every. 10 years yeah something something like that i like uh that he's a musician always love a, a villain with a little bit of depth he's a renaissance man davy jones here's the thing that i don't like about him he is a threat to our heroes in pirates of the caribbean too 
But outside of that, he doesn't really pose a threat to a lot of people. Like someone who's living in Nebraska would have absolutely no threat from Davy Jones. Even a pirate who is just sailing along doesn't really have a threat from Davy Jones unless he's on his deathbed, right? Because that's really the only time that you encounter this man is when you're a pirate and you're about to die. So yes, he's powerful. Yes, that's scary. But I feel like there's not really a whole lot of worry. He's not really looming over everyone in the world um, at all times. Now, Judge Claude Frollo, this dude has a god complex, okay? This is a character who is so twisted and evil, he uses sin and God as justification for all of his actions. It's absolutely terrifying. He has the most insane villain song ever in Hellfire. Yeah. And dude, that song is scary. And he's singing about how like Esmeralda is making him think unpure thoughts. And so he has to burn her alive and like feed her to the devil or something like, Oh my God, man, that's, that is nuts. All right. Yeah. He's introed into the movie, rounding up some gypsies, and uh, the narrator guy. I can't remember his name. He's like the the jester dude. Yeah. Uh, he sings a line that's like he's looking to cleanse the the world from corruption, but he couldn't see it within himself, or something like that. Okay. Um, which is that's the definition of his character. And then he grabs baby Quasimodo. He looks at baby Q, and he says. <laughs> This is an unholy demon. I'm sending it back to hell where it belongs. <laughs> like, what? And he's, like, about to throw this baby into a well. Like, into the well, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that's intense, man. This movie, this is, not, this is like an adult movie, dude. And that's within the first three minutes of the movie. And it just goes downhill from there. Um, yeah. And he gets a really symbolic death, which I really love. He, like, plunges into the fire himself. Right. Um, you know, forget all of the gypsy genocide stuff. This dude is super underrated as a villain. I have Frollo advancing over Davy Jones, hands down, hands down. Yeah, it it hurts me a little bit because Davy Jones is probably my favorite villain in the Disney universe, just because uh, he's so epic and so believable within the pirates world um but you're also right in that he really only affects those who would be on the ocean and he's not really affecting anyone else i just want to point out the scene that you were talking about when they when he's introed he's asking all the sailors if they fear death and then they get to will and you don't see what he looks like and then he lights his pipe yeah and that's when you see what he looks like that is just like you just want to like get up and throw a chair like you're so pumped at that that reveal. Um It's a good intro. It's a really good intro, but I'm not sure he sustains that level of like fear and heightened terror like throughout the movie, especially when he's like in broad daylight like on that island. Yeah, and also there's like he has all of these powers that he seems to never use. Like when he's fighting Jack Sparrow on the ship when Jack has the, the heart in the chest mm-hmm. and he gets caught in the um God, I'm not I don't know my boat terminology, but the thing that spins in the middle to make the sails go up. He gets caught in the middle of that and he's like 
oh oh no and then he realized like he realizes he can just walk through it and then jack gets flung up and he's on a sail and davy jones just appears like why isn't he just appearing where he needs to be at all times like why is he walking like just appear dude you know that's all i can think of during those scenes is like you control the ship in a way where you can just be anywhere you want to be why are you running around but yes frollo is absolutely terrifying um re-watching that movie i f- forgot just how evil he is um the scene where they're looking for gypsies and they find him at that farmer's house and he locks the farmers in the house and he's like uh if you say you're innocent then the courts will prove it true whatever so we'll get back to you and he locks the door um and then tells the guards to set it on fire like <laughs> what <laughs> and then the guard doesn't set it on fire so he does like oh jeez um yeah i think there's there's no debate on that one i think judge fellow's gotta gotta move on i also think davy jones is super vulnerable you know like there's some moments where he shows that uh you know he had a a past love that he lost and he has moments of weakness whereas judge frollo is just all throughout completely evil yeah absolutely um all right moving on to the next elite eight round we have ursula versus gaston and i think i can i'll go ahead and look around our podcast room here and say that we all know who kyle's gonna go with in this one because Gaston, despite putting uh, Belle's dad out to the wolves and and trying attempting to kill him and then being charming enough to uh, manipulate the village, um, Ursula is straight snatching souls out here. She is snatching souls, soul snatcher. keeping them in, soul snatcher, keeping them in jars in her cave. She has really creepy eel sidekicks who terrified me as a child. Um, and they're terrifying in the ride at California Adventure, to be honest. While Gaston is just this meathead who is just acting on impulse and passion, uh, Ursula is really thinking through her plans, even if it may not work. She's She thinks through it enough to then react, like when she needs to turn into a human to win uh, Eric's love uh, in order for her curse to stay on Ariel. Um, so I think that Ursula should be moving on in this round. Kyle, are you factoring in at all the fact that Ursula's head fell off at the Little Mermaid Dark Ride? I am not because that is not her fault. That's canon. That is a Little <laughs> that's Mermaid canon. canon. That's, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing that's really hard for me about this bracket. Best villain is kind of open to interpretation. Uh, what do you want that to mean? You want that to mean the most powerful or the most evil or is it the most likable or is it the least likable? It's really kind of like could be anything. Um, but in general, I think a good villain is one that you enjoy watching on screen. And to me, Ursula is just not that person. Oh. I just, I, I don't know. I don't like watching her. Little Mermaid is a good movie, but like I don't like the Ursula scenes. Beauty and the Beast is a good movie, and I like the Gaston scenes. So, uh, also... Poor Unfortunate Souls is a banger. You're telling me it's a better song than Gaston, though? No. Uh, no, but it's a banger. No. And yeah, it is a, I will admit that it's a banger, but so it's, then not, you enjoy it's not that Gaston scene. banger. I enjoy, the, I enjoy the song. I don't know okay. if I enjoy the scene. 
Okay. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that Gaston scene, man, in the animated and in the live action. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I hate to bring, bring in the live action stuff, but Gaston in both the live action and the animated is a pretty great character and is treated pretty pretty great but then we we can also go back to this like terrifying notion that we've been using throughout this bracket like you're truly more terrified of gaston than you would be of tentacle witch sea witch who snatches souls i like villains that you might encounter in real life and i feel like i would never encounter a sorcerer sea witch in real life and i would encounter like a jacked dude meathead who's kind of full of himself in real life and i i like him i like Gaston. it's no secret he's one of I my favorites i can't wait for the uh the next matchup when you have to meet scar in real life and use use that as a lions are scary too man what are you talking about <laughs> all right elizabeth we've got ourselves a tie yet again on this gaston guy what say you oh man you guys ah oh, you're really putting me through the fire here um okay well you know, while, while you guys were having this uh, discussion, um, another one who missed the dance was Hans from Frozen. And I feel like Gaston is kind of like a Hans, where, like, he's a very approachable person. Or, like, you know, the girls in the village all love Gaston, and he's very attractive, and, like, Hans is kind of this way, too. And, like, Hans ended up being, like, the biggest crazy person ever, um, and and Gaston is very similar to that, but I understand where Kyle's coming from with the magic and soul-snatching powers of Ursula the Giant Sea, which octopus woman. Um, so, you know, it's really tough for me, but I gotta go with Iconic Ursula on this one. Let's, oh. let's go justice. I am heartbroken. I am heartbroken. (laughs) I wear a a Gaston pin on my lanyard at work. (laughs) There will be fights at the family Thanksgiving. Oh my god. There will be hands thrown. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, And just like that, (laughs) Ursula dethrones Gaston and moves on to the final four. All right. In our last round of the Elite Eight. We have Hades versus Scar. All right, this one's this one's difficult, but I think I think I already know what your argument will be, Chris, because you kind of brought it up with Davy Jones. So I'm interested in how you're gonna you're gonna do it for this one. But I think the pure evilness and success of Scar's plan and and the amount of effect that he had on the rest of the savannah which i'm gonna go ahead and just say the rest of the animal kingdom is incredible like he he kills his own brother scares off his own nephew puts his entire pride and the entire i guess animal kingdom at risk of extinction by not tending to the circle of life and the fight scene between him and Simba is absolutely intense and terrifying. Also, the most he has the most iconic kill scene in the entire Disney universe. Like, who doesn't, in any scenario that something's hanging on to something, do you think long live the king? Like, <laughs> that's just, 
that's just what it is like he is he is just pure evil to the like he's putting the king kingness of mufasa above the fact that mufasa is his brother like that's some sort of villainy right there so i'm gonna go ahead and say that scar should be moving on to the next round i personally think that hades is i don't want to say he's one of the most well-written disney villains but his dialogue is definitely one of the most well-written um he's so funny and his humor is so quick super punny and i love that about hercules and i really do sincerely enjoy uh when he is on screen and something i actually love about both of these characters is that we get a lot of time with them on their own something that um maleficent never gets is like a scene where she sits down and we step away from the hero or the protagonist or the princess and we get to hear the villain kind of talking about their side or their story or what they want and we get that from both of these characters which is cool and i love hades relationship with meg they go into a little bit of a detail about you know why she's involved with him etc and I, I love that about Hades and the movie Hercules but Scar gets be prepared which is probably a top three villain song absolutely and something that I haven't brought up yet is I love when a Disney movie positions a villain so closely to the protagonist so you have Scar, obviously the brother of Mufasa and the uncle of Simba. And there's a scene where young Simba is literally climbing all over his uncle Scar trying to play with him. Like He's literally very close to this villain that we know he's a villain, but our hero doesn't know that. And it's chilling to see that on screen. Like you said, he gets one of the most iconic kill scenes of all time. Jeremy Irons, so good. I have a lot more to say about Scar, but I'm going to save it for the next episode because Scar is advancing to the final four where we will talk about him in part two of this bracket. Oh boy, we have made it. We have reached our final four of the best Disney villains bracket. Our first matchup next episode will be Cruella versus judge claude frollo that's the motto and our second matchup will be ursula versus scar and chris i hope you prepared some pretty intense notes because i think this is going to be quite the discussion we're going to have next episode we have some a-list names on here i don't frollo might be one of the lesser recognizable names in this final four but I don't know if you could really call any of these a Cinderella story like we had Jiminy Cricket last week on the show. So I'm very interested to get deeper into these characters, and I'm, I'm probably going to have to revisit all these movies before uh, we record our next episode. Yep, I agree. I agree. Elizabeth, thoughts on the ending of this uh, this first episode of the Disney bracket, of the Disney villains bracket? I am uh, quite pleased. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I haven't seen Hunchback of Notre Dame in a very long time, if not ever in my memory. <laughs> um, so so everything that I heard about Judge Claude Frollo 
is going to be, you know, from you guys. But, uh, and as of course, he's a lesser known. I think kids my age, well, kids my age, well, now I'm 21, but, uh, there's there's gonna be a little bit Humble of a, brag. A, a little bit of a brag. Uh, there's gonna be some generational gap opinions, I think, here. Whereas uh, maybe Ursula or Scar or Cruella would be more memorable. Um, so I'm really excited to see what you guys have to say about this on next week's episode. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Elizabeth. It was great having you as our tiebreaker voice. And the rest of you, thank you for listening as always. You know where to find us at Mouse Madness Pod on Twitter, or you can email us with all of your thoughts and opinions, comments, questions at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. We will see you guys on the next episode.